What if there was a way that you could invest in residential real estate without having to worry about the issues caused by tenants? This episode is going to teach you about the investment niche that solves that critical pain point in most real estate investors' careers by actually being the bank, not a landlord. In this episode, I talk with Jay Tenenbaum, an investor in distressed notes who walks us through this real estate investment niche that has multiple exit strategies, extremely high returns, and tells us how you can passively invest and get involved. We'll hear from Jay after a short intro. This is Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate, where we guide you through the relentless pursuit of financial independence. I'm your host, Justin Moy, managing partner at Perpetual Wealth Capital, a multifamily real estate investing firm that lets everyday people invest passively in income-producing apartment buildings. Hey, investors. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate. Today, I'm sitting down with Jay Tenenbaum with Scottsdale Real Estate Investments. Now, Jay has acquired over 450 distressed mortgage notes in his career and has used his 20 years of experience as a debt collection professional to accelerate his note investing journey. Jay's on today to tell us about this niche investment in real estate. And Jay, we're excited to have you here. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your investing history to start us off. So my investing history really starts just like anybody else. I was a debt collection attorney for 20 years in California in the restaurant business, which was a family business in Colorado before that. And owning and buying my own homes was only the experience that I had up until about 2013. I'm now an expert in distressed mortgages. I'm not sure I really understood the mortgage and stuff I was signing to buy my own house. But I knew, you know, like anybody else, you want to start real estate somewhere and sometime and dabbled in the hotel barroom guru kind of gigs and really felt the challenge was always come Monday morning, where do I find the deal that I just got educated on? And found an opportunity, August 2013, where that solution was solved in the four-day note buying for dummies workshop that I went to, where the guy who put on the workshop introduced all of us to a couple of hedge fund sellers of notes. So I met two guys I could buy notes from all the way. So that problem was solved. That challenge was solved. So really just took it off from there. That's incredible, especially because I think that's why it gets so away from people and people don't really understand that this niche exists because everybody understands buying a home and renting it out or flipping it or wholesaling and things like that. But they don't really get exposure to that back end or that financial side of investing in notes and really being the bank. I mean, for somebody who this is their first time ever really hearing investing in notes or buying and holding notes, whatever the case may be, what exactly is it? Who are these people that you're buying them from? Walk us through that process. Sure. So first of all, when I first got started, really from the very beginning, it starts with, it is an asset acquisition strategy. Those who door knock, those who send yellow letters, whatever that is, that's fine. For me, I'm lazy. I don't like to hunt. So I have been able through, through that workshop and going forward from there to develop relations with hedge funds primarily all across the country that bring me spreadsheets of mortgage notes on spreadsheets almost on a very routine basis. So I don't have to go hunting for them. I don't have to go door knocking. So what am I buying? I'm buying the paper. I'm not buying the four walls and a roof. I may never own the four walls and a roof, but I'm buying the paper. Somebody bought a house. Somebody paid on the house for three, four years, whatever it was. And every month that they made the payment, their principal went down. 
And at some point, for whatever reason, they stop paying. And then the banks who originated these loans sell them off as non-performing loans. Hedge fund A strikes strokes a six, seven, eight figure check and sells them off, securitizes them, sells them off a dollar ninety-five to somebody else. They get down to a hedge fund relationship that we have, who really most of which don't really work their notes either. They just keep making sold as a commodity. So then they come to us and we will actually work them. We will explore the opportunity to keep a borrower in their home doing a loan modification, generating cash flow. Or we're transactional engineers. We'll take it through foreclosure. And then just like any other exit strategy, we'll flip it, we'll rent it, we'll sell or finance it, lease option, whatever makes financial sense. It starts with just different acquisition strategy yeah. and then what you do with it going forward. So you had mentioned, you know, you may never own the four walls and the roof. Is that ideal for you or is it a pretty popular exit strategy for you to, okay, take control of that property and either sell it off or rent that out? Is it that you take over the property or do you just continue to get that note paid off? So, okay, the answer to the question is twofold. First of all, what is your investor ID? Everybody's investor ID could be different. When I started, I started out buying low value mortgages. I probably, out of the 450 plus deals, the first probably 150, 200 deals were back in 2013, 14. Properties were still underwater. I'm spending $10,000, buying a house worth about 50,000. Mortgage balance is probably over 80,000. With those kind of numbers, it's easy to allow your borrower, make a deal with your borrower where they're paying you $300 a month, you're generating a 36% return on your money, and you're generating cash flow. Now, you multiply that 10 times, you spend 100 grand, and being facetious, it doesn't always work out this way, but let's say you spend 100 grand, you buy 10 loans for $10,000 a piece, sure. you're generating $300 a month, now I've got $3,600 per month on my 100 grand reinvestment, and it just exponentially goes up from there as far as if that's what you want to do for passive income. It's not a rental. Nobody's calling you at three o'clock in the morning to fix the toilet. And if they don't pay, you foreclose. You engage an attorney, you manage the attorney, you pay them attorney's fees, boom, and you get the property back. Now, we've evolved as a company, however, and in the last couple of years, we've started buying more expensive notes, much more valuable profit, kind of go bigger or go home. We're buying notes, we're spending six figures routinely on notes these days, but with an average profitability anywhere from $40,000 or more. And we've done a variety of things through that, through syndications, through joint ventures. So we're keeping a borrower in their home when they're spending $350,000 on a note probably isn't going to make the most return, but that house is worth $600,000, $700,000 with about $100,000 rehab necessary. So I'm going to finish the foreclosure. I'm going to take it back if I choose. Now, the one thing in the middle, I could get paid off at foreclosure. And routinely this year, that has happened. We just got paid, actually, Thursday was, we bought a note in Newport, Rhode Island. Ideally, wanted to keep it, take it back at foreclosure and keep it for short-term rental, but we weren't so fortunate because we were only owed $377,000. We bought it for two eighty-five dollars at the sale it went for $413,000. Now we're not titled for the 413, we only get the 377. When a note starts to become distressed, so let's say I buy a property from Chase Bank or something like that, they loan me the money. How common is it that these notes end up with like those hedge funds or with somebody like you? Or is it common at all for the bank, let's say if somebody defaults on JP Morgan's loan, that JP Morgan will take the action, recoup that cost? Or is it typically like a sellout? And then that's where there's a lot of opportunity for you. Going back for a long time, 
Loans are sold five minutes later. The servicing rights are transferred five minutes later. Right. And then when they're defaulting, they're not defaulting on Chase's watch. They're defaulting on somebody else who bought it. Sure. So when they're distressed and that means payment has stopped, what are some things that make that enticing to you? So I'm sure there's a reason why it stopped and a reason why maybe other people do want to sell it off or wouldn't want to buy it. So what are some indicators to you that an opportunity is either good or bad? Part of which is not part of my pay grade. I'm not the analyst type. You can't put me in front of a computer for more than five minutes. I'm not wired to analyze deals, but it's a good trade-off. So my partner and his team do the analytics. And so the answer to your question is more about what's the value of that note worth? What's its as-is value? What's its ARV value? What's its rent rates? What are we able to buy it from, buy it for? Oftentimes, ideally, when we're getting these spreadsheets, we have some idea of what our seller is willing to sell the note for. We're buying it around 50, 60 cents on the dollar. And that's just kind of the marketplace to do this. Everybody knows you're going to be delinquent taxes you're going to have to pay. You're going to have foreclosure time and foreclosure costs you're going to have to go through. And if I'm buying a performing loan, which I won't, I'm paying too high a premium for it anyway. And the returns are better than apartment cap rates these days, but not much. Sure. <laughs> uh, and these so, aren't too high either. So <laughs> no. So on the front end, you're looking at what is the value? If I'm able to buy a note for 350000 where the ARV value of the house is worth six to 700000 now, granted, in that particular situation, we were owed seven hundred thousand. We actually put it to auction at five hundred thousand, making a quick hundred fifty thousand dollars and leave. And it got bid at five hundred thousand the auction, but the third party bidder at the sale never followed through on a sale, and we're to end up taking it back and we'll flip it ourselves. So that's part of it. The other part of it is, on my end, with my expertise, it's when I'm doing our diligence, I really will dive into where is it at the foreclosure process? Is it five minutes from a sale or somebody fighting it tooth and nail? That kind of thing. Just an understanding timeline and process where we're at. So if everything shakes out, then hey, you know what? Just running through the court process, great. No issues, great. It's got some equity, potential value to it, great. And then we pull the trigger. Got it. And so it sounds like there's quite a few exit strategies like you talked about, depending on ARV or depending on if you could just flip it really quickly. What are you typically seeing as, I guess, if you had to quantify like returns for the industry, are you looking for a certain cash on cash for the payments to continue to be made? Are you looking at, hey, can I make a certain percentage of my dollar at the sale of the property? Or what's kind of a big metric that you like to use to really compare this investment to other types of real estate investments? Good question. So first of all, we've identified about 15 to 20 different exit strategies or some variation of each other, right? Sure. How creative we want to be one day. So without predisposing of what we're doing, everything kind of evolves itself. So what exit strategy makes the most sense? You can walk into a loan going, okay, this is my preferred exit strategy, but that doesn't mean it's gonna happen. But you have the flexibility, the resourcefulness, the options to go down whatever road makes sense. We will model out about five or six, three to five core exit strategies and just see what shakes out. We've got a financial model we built, which will tell us what the projected returns are under a loan mod, under a fix and flip, under a get paid off at auction, sure. under seller finance. That's pretty much the core exits that we use in the financial model. Again, as long as they're in the black, great, it's a viable deal. If all five of them are in the red, you shouldn't be buying it at that price. ROI calculator is a guide. It just means you shouldn't be buying it at that price. If you get it for a different price, you probably turn, the model probably turns black. Absolutely. 
you're buying distressed assets, similar to what a lot of people within apartments do. And so everything has its price of what you're willing to take on as the risk for that asset class or for that item that you're purchasing. Sounds like you kind of went to a seminar or education, then you got linked up with some people who give you those deals. Is that still how it goes now? Or is it a little bit more complex or the barriers entry a little bit higher? I guess, how can somebody start this investment journey if they're looking to start today? The answer to that is the opportunity to get educated in that respect has evolved. I went through an eight-week mentoring program. It worked for me. My specific mentor doesn't offer that anymore. It's a very shorter version of that. I guess it's all really depending on who you are and what your expertise is to know whether that makes sense. For us, we pride ourselves in working with investors to teach them the ropes, and that's fine. We've kind of revolving in the new year to probably doing less of that and more of building a fund where the passive investor who wants to do well in the asset class that's still very lucrative, the return on investment is sure. still very good. It's really easy to do a lot better than the 1% in your certificate of disappointment. If you're getting an 8% return on your money, they should be kissing your feet. We've been fortunate. We've been generating better than that over the course of our career because we can. I mean, it's just with the different exit strategies and the price points we're buying, and the discounts we're getting, it's easy to achieve that. The one thing that's kind of overlooked is node investing is for someone that, again, you can get involved on a passive basis and earn regular passive income, et cetera. And the second part of it is I'm salivating over the discounts. This is all fine and great, but you don't pay attention to the time. We're getting the discounts because we're taking not so much the risk, but the other piece to it is the discounts we're getting is because we're committing to take the time that's necessary to do this. Now, what I mean by that is we're not buying in New York, New Jersey, we're taking three years, but it's not going to be five minutes either. Usually a year-ish is probably where you're looking at getting a asset disposed of, something like that. As a note, there is no bank to go out and get your 80%, 90% of financing. But when you turn it into an REO, like you take it back in foreclosure, now I can go to my credit sources of that nature and get my 90% of acquisition money reimbursed the capital cost that I've spent. A back-end way of doing things, which is there's different ways to do that in real estate, but in notes, it's telling you kind of have that aspect down where there's different ways to get capital back and at different times and things like that. For people who do start out in this business, whether it's active or passive, what are some common mistakes that you see that beginner making? First and foremost is there's two common mistakes you make. You overpay for a loan because you really haven't done your diligence and understand the costs involved. The second piece is your expectations are not met because even <laughs> for your experience fix and flippers, sometimes the project take four to six months and you're okay with that. Well, with notes, yeah, I've had plenty of notes exit sooner than that. I've also had plenty of notes that don't. I build up a pipeline. I don't care. I'm not riding and dying on one asset. But the beginning investor has to start somewhere, only starts buying one or a few loans, rides or dies on those, gets disappointed on the time frame, and they fail to realize just how much money is capable of being made in this business. You just have to be patient as to time. You can get educated. You can get experience. You can partner up with those to get that education experience. Even me, 450 deals later, I cannot control time. 
I want to touch on what you said before, the first mistake and not really understanding the costs that you would acquire by going into this business. Are you talking more legal fees or is it cost of actually doing rehabs on properties? What are some of those costs that maybe people aren't totally aware of when they get into this? All of the above. When you buy a loan and it's still a mortgage, you've got your attorney's fees for closure if you're going down that road. You've got insurance because you want to insure your property. You've got servicing fees. Now, your servicing fee is going to be the same if it's a $50,000 loan or a $500,000 loan. Foreclosure costs are still the same. So are your servicing fees. You got to make sure that your costs involved, you got to spread for it. If I'm buying a $50,000 loan for ten grand, and I'm going to spend another five grand in servicing and in foreclosure and all that, now I'm into it for fifteen as a fifty. I'm into the same asset for fifteen, and I may have a loan that's worth three hundred thousand. Wow. So really understanding all of those costs that come by, or if, you know, like you'd mentioned, getting involved with somebody who's been there and done that. Sound like you have some other funds, some ways for people to get involved more so on the passive side. So tell us a little bit about that process and how people can get involved or possibly get a hold of you. We've worked with investors for my entire career. I welcome the opportunity to have a conversation with a potential investor because really it's not about who we are and what we do. I can show you what I do. I don't like to tell people what I do. I like to show them what I do. I can show you our track record. I can show you past deals that have been funded, whether they've been exited or in the process of being exited, whatever. I can show you all that. But really, it's a matter of who are you? What is your goals and objectives? How can I help you? That's really what it's all about. And I welcome the opportunity to have a chat with anybody in that regard. I do answer my cell phone, 714-458-6317. Our website, www.scottsdale.com. REI.com. My email is jay at scottsdalerei.com as well. Fantastic. So we will put all of that information in the show notes. Jay, it has been fantastic having you on listeners. If you want to get a hold of Jay, learn more about what he does or get in touch and pick his brand about this investment type. See if it's something that suits you head down to the show notes, get in touch with him. However you'd like while you're there, if you haven't already, Download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth and Passive Cash Flow Through Multifamily Real Estate. And Jay, thank you so much. This has been such a value-packed episode, and we appreciate your insight. My pleasure. One other thing real quick is we also have um, our podcast, reimastermind.live, where we interview experts. This is Justin. So www.remastermind.live. So we also developed our own software to do a variety of things, more than just a contact management or CRM type tool, www.reiblade.com. And we'll hook you up with a demo there. So really kind of well-rounded in what we do to give back to the community. Everybody starts somewhere and anybody starts sometime. Whatever works for anybody is all good. And you just got to start. And we'll put all of those resources in the notes as well. Check those out and get in touch with Jay listeners. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. 